Connection established. Greetings, Star Wars fans, and welcome to Coruscant Radio Underground, a podcast from thesciencefictionary.com. Uh, with me tonight are Marisha. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. And we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the world of Star Wars. But uh, to start off, has anybody seen anything new? Or I know Marisha hasn't because she's been sick since the last time we recorded. So it's she- true. I binge watched three seasons of Vikings this weekend. <laughs> so that was fun. Daniel, have you had any time to, to consume any sort of entertainment? Game of Thrones. That's about it. Oh, yeah. You've been... Uh... You, you know, you've watched that, <laughs> the sigh. <laughs> you've watched that all the way, the whole I time, have, haven't you? every episode. Okay. How enthusiastic are you? I've liked it so far, except for about the last 20 minutes of the last episodes of some things going on just did not make any sense. Hmm. That kind of, uh, the internet's <sighs> kind of been collectively losing their mind for the past few days since it aired. Yeah. yeah. It's not that, it's just, I guess we all kind of know what happens i'll try to be sort of spoiler free i was going to say this when you whenever you have a character on a certain story arc for seven seasons and in one season or in one episode rather their character does a 180 it just feels out of place what happened in that in that show i can actually see that character going that way i can i get it i think it serves a story yeah and it's cool but you can't get to that point from where you started that episode. Yeah, I think that's so. fair. Like, I haven't watched any of this season, but you, there's no, like, avoiding the, the talk about all the things that happen every week. Um, yeah, but you need, a, you, need a, you need a season to build that up. They yeah. did that in really in two episodes. And things started happening in episode four that were kind of... And, and when you look back, you can see little things, but it's like it wasn't enough that doesn't get that person there. You, yeah. you can't get there from where you started. And it's just, I think they they rush some plot points mm-hmm. trying to get to the end. Yeah, that's really what it, need some more time to breathe. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me was that they just didn't have enough time to, or didn't invest enough time building up stories, and now they're trying to rush through it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but they, and all the reports kind of lead you to believe the seven-episode season for season seven and a six-episode season for season eight, that was Dan and Dave's idea. Like, HBO told them they could keep that story going as long as they needed to. Really? Hmm. And this is what they wanted. So that'll kind of tie into some stuff we're going to talk about tonight. So Yeah. Good segue. Relevant conversation. And we can just, I mean, there's been calls. There are a lot of calls on Twitter right now for Bob Iger to remove Benioff and Weiss from the next uh, Star Wars trilogy. And that's stupid, by the way. (laughs) I I agree. There's a couple of really good articles that came out today basically just talking about that, but in a larger sense, how fans are we've reached this weird place where now fans are demanding that creators and artists create only only art that fits a certain mold or that 
they should listen to the fans on how they create their own art. It's like censorship has gotten I way mean, weirder in a lot of yeah, ways. But when you're dealing in a commercial medium like we are, I mean, you well, do you do need to listen to the fans. To but sale. Yeah, it does have to sell. It does make money or nobody's going to give you money to make more of it. But let's not kid ourselves. So, Is Game of Thrones not still making money? Uh, yes, they are. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. I have loved this season. And I still think it's... Now, David called me today, and I really should have gotten him on the night. He asked me if he watched it yet. I said, no, I have not. He watched it Sunday night. I didn't get to watch it till yesterday, till Monday. Mm-hmm. And he said, you should just save yourself the trouble of watching the greatest television show in history to go down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bit of an overreaction. Yeah. <laughs> it, Wait a it minute. Still is, and and this is the kind of things that that show does. Uh, like I said, I just think it needed more time to build them. But you know, talking about creators, creators definitely need to listen to reaction, listen to feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, we see extreme reaches of that. I mean, recently with the Sonic movie. Now, people saw that Sonic trailer and just <laughs> lost their minds. Yeah. Um, it was creepy looking. That, that fan made CGI for Sonic looks so much better than the crap the studio did. I'm just going to say it. Oh, no, it, it does. But it was in that particular instance, you've got a digital character that you can literally extract from the footage and put back in and replace. Yeah. And yeah. the studio said, you know what? If we're going to get this kind of backlash to this character design before we launch, then yeah, we'll go back to the drawing board and figure it out. Right. But at the same oh, time, just... like there's no sense in bringing on great creative minds. Let's just, let's say John Favreau. If John Favreau can't make the film he wants to make, then why hire John Favreau? Have you ever like, seen... You, you will lose... If, if, yeah. if, the, if the internet begins to dictate all creativity... Yeah then you're going to lose the genuinely creative things like that people like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg create. There's a painting that was done by Da Vinci. It's in the Annunciation. And people talked about how weird Gabriel's wings look. They're like, it just like, what's wrong with them? And the issue, it turns out, was that Da Vinci painted them like bird wings initially. Because, you know, he was a, like an avid student of science and anatomy and all this. So he painted wings like he thought wings would look. And the uh, church came back later. No, 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 no. You can't paint wings like that. You have to paint wings like this because that's how wings should look in a painting of an angel. So he went back and repainted them. And there's still people that look at him and go, how weird. And so I feel like sometimes... Um, that might be kind of the effect that the internet might have on art if they were kind of given the freedom to make all the calls. It's just, it's one of those things. It's like we've really reached the point with the internet and with, with things like Twitter where it doesn't matter what you make, somebody's going to scream about it. No kidding. And so you can't be, I do agree that creators need to listen to feedback, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be filtered. I mean, they they really got to to step back and look at it. You know, it's like when in art school when I was when I was doing my painting classes, you know, my teachers would say they'd give criticism and they expected you to consider it. Mm-hmm. But in the end, if they came back and you hadn't made the changes that they recommended, they were okay with it as long as you could give a reason why, why you, you felt like your original decision was better. 
and it's so it's one of those things where creators need to hear the feedback and decide what of it is useful and what of it's not. And a lot of the screaming on Twitter about Star Wars or Star Trek or Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones is just not valid. No, it's just people want everything to fit into their their idea of what that story should have been. Right. Well, which is. Which Take is, a pen and a piece of paper. Exactly. And write it yourself. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, get your computer out and write you some fan fiction. You can have exactly the story you want. Have but fun. at the same time, some, the, the, the fun to all this, not all the fun of it, but some of the fun of everything we talk about is the debate of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. You know, it, it wouldn't be interesting and intriguing if people didn't have different reactions to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and. And it's but also interesting when you get when you get kind of the like with this. Generally speaking, looking at my Twitter feed, the people that defended Ryan Johnson's decisions and rights to make his own decisions for characters in the Last Jedi are largely the people now attacking Benioff and Weiss. Benioff and Weiss for doing the same thing. Yeah, you just can't it. If you're going to take internet reaction to one episode of a, at this point, 72 episode mm-hmm. epic yeah, and replace the people who created it, then that is, com- that is a complete knee-jerk reaction that somebody needs to, that, that you got to calm down. And everybody who wants that decision made needs to calm down. Yeah, okay? it's... So, it's just, it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, and, you know, they say everyone's a critic, but like now, like for real, anybody can, you know, get them a, a podcast and be a critic, you know? Right. It's, it's the... Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody's a critic, even <laughs> us. it's like, you know, that's the thing about Twitter. It's like the great thing about Twitter is it gives everybody a voice. The really terrible thing about Twitter is that it gives everybody a voice. Everybody. <laughs> Continuing with the Benioff and Wise stuff, some of the news we got today was confirmation of what we talked about last week and what I think we assumed, some people did, some people didn't, was that the at least the first of those three new movies that were announced will be a Benioff and Wise project. I've seen some people claimed today after that, after Bob Iger's interview, or after his presentation presentation or press conference or whatever it was that he did that i saw some people every article (laughs) that i've read today has kind of had different points that they i guess everybody pulled what they thought was the important point i saw some that claimed that bob Iger said that the next three all three movies that are on the schedule are benioff and weiss films and i think that that's likely we talked about that last week that Mm -hmm. if if the first one, the one three years from now, is Benioff and Weiss, then the two-year spacing makes sense for that to be the remainder of that trilogy. Right. Provided that Benioff and Weiss are actually getting a trilogy. We can't get anybody to give us a completely straight answer on that. But kind of stepping back for a minute and looking at last week, Daniel, we didn't get a chance to talk to you last week, but what did you think about the three-year wait after the rise of Skywalker, before we get a new movie, I was surprised by it. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, it just we had an announcement that Dan and Dave were uh, doing a trilogy, and that Ryan Johnson's doing a trilogy. Both those announcements came last year, 
And I know Benioff and Weiss were finishing up post-production on Game of Thrones at the time, so I can see them maybe getting a later start, but I just kind of assumed there were some things already in motion and right. that we would get something a little sooner than three years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I mean, actually from the time the announcement was made till this release date is... Uh, three and a half years. Yeah, almost four years, yeah. So it's surprising. Yeah, and I think they... I think they confirmed some of what we talked about last week in this in this interview today in that you know Bob Iger seemed to indicate that coming out of the last Jedi or I'm sorry out of the rise of Skywalker that they wanted to take some time to determine where they're going in the future with Star Wars. It seems weird that we're going to make this movie and then we're just going to, we're not going to talk about it until then. We'll we'll do that and then we're going to stop and figure out what we want to do next. Seems like a really weird decision. But we've been talking for years that we know they don't have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I mean, isn't that what they get paid the big bucks to do is have a plan? I I don't know. I, I really think that it speaks to they're really not sure exactly how they want to move forward and almost makes me wonder if they're waiting to see the reaction to the rise of Skywalker before they make any big decisions on how to move forward. But the three year gaps, what really gets me, I'm not that I'm not as much surprised by the two year gap between the movies. I, no, I I'm not either. That but, actually makes sense. But I am, I am really surprised by the three year gap unless that three-year gap is being affected by that Indiana Jones movie that they're working on in that span of time as well. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure I believe that either. It's going to be different. But I mean, I understand that it's, it's all Lucasfilm, but how many different movies do other studios have in development at the same time? It's going to be a different set of producers. It's going to be a different director. It's going to be a different cast. There's no reason the Indiana Jones film should be interfering with the production of Star Wars. No, I agree. I mean, and they were making two Star Wars movies pretty much at the same time recently. Well, I mean, we got five movies in five years. Or we right. will once, the, once all... the next one comes out. Once The Rise of Skywalker is out, we will have gotten five in five years. So that's why the slowdown seems weird to me. But we did get an indication. Now, I can't find it in this article from Deadline. I, I will say this deadline, about the I'm gap, sorry. too, though, before you move on to the Deadline thing. The idea that with this trilogy with this trilogy ending, you kind of feel like you're moving from one era of Star Wars to the other. So let's give it a little breath. I yeah. can kind of see that from a point of view, too. Let's let it, let it settle for a little bit and come back with something to refresh it. And I, I can, I can kind of understand that point of view also. I can, and I, I understand that, especially since we're wrapping up the Skywalker saga, and even in at this point, you've got the nine. You'll have the nine saga movies plus the two spinoffs. All you, of which happened within all of this which happened within the confines period. of the saga. Right, and the odds are right. that. Well, kind of. I mean, Solo set before the saga starts, but but no, because it's or no, after it, yeah, the prequels. It falls in the prequels. Yeah, but so it's tied to a saga character. So I can see, yes, saying let's take a break, and when we come back in three years, you're getting Star Wars, but it's going to be something brand new. Mm-hmm. It may be in their minds leaving a gap, really isolates the two, so that it 
minimize the confusion because odds are when we come back, we're getting something with Benioff and Weiss. It seems more and more like they're going to do something in the old Republic era. Completely different. Now we've got the three movies that will wrap up seven years from now. Jeez, that's a long time. (laughs) But the, the, the most interesting announcement was the fact that we got confirmation that a third TV series is in some stage of development. Right. And it's definitely going to be Obi-Wan. It might be. Uh, I mean, do you, I mean, do y'all have any other thoughts on what? Because we kind of talked a few weeks ago about some of the possibilities. I think an yeah. Obi Wan one is 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 likely, especially since we heard some rumor that that one was in fact already in some sort of pre production. Yeah. Hmm. Honestly, I don't even remember what kind of rumors we even talked about. Oh, there was a rumor of a Leia series. A oh Bane, yes, a Darth I do Bane remember series, this. Darth Bane. Um, Knights of Ren. I don't really care to see a Leia series right now. And not I, that not that I don't love her as a character, but I would really like to see some other. I, I would like to see. I I really I want a Leia series. I would really like that if, if they would go ahead and set something in the early days of the rebellion. But at the same time, I think this three year gap is about starting to move away from the things we already know about. Yeah. yeah. I know the series I want. I'll never get it because the story I want is legends and it, it's, it's even farther out into legends now than Darth Bane is to bring him back into Canon. But the dark horse comic book series tales of the Jedi, Ooh. something in that vein. Let's go back to that era. Thousands of years before what we saw in the old Republic. And which is where Darth Bane and, and those things are set. But the stories about Ulick Heldrama and that, that kind of feel to those old tales of the Jedi yeah. Star Course comics would and, be an awesome TV series. Yeah. And of course, Tales to the Jedi was really the kind of the first foray into the old Republic. That right? era. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was really the first time we went that far back into the past. And got a lot of the, that's where a lot of, for a while when we had the ODU, some of the established mythology around the the Jedi kind of came from. Right. Hmm. That would be really fascinating. I mean, like, I I am always clamoring for an Obi-Wan series, mostly because I want to see Ewan McGregor do Obi-Wan again at some point, you know, before before he's too old to do it, which isn't going to be for a while. But... I mean, he's still In, got another yeah thirty another years, 30 years, years of being able to his age yet, right? Yeah, but that being said, I do kind of tend to be with you in general for what I'd like to see next. I'd like to see something completely different. I'd like to see something long time ago. See how the Jedi got started. See where the Sith come from. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Which we've explored before, just not in canon at this point. You know, right? Because it all changed. And it would it's it's inter- anytime we talk about this kind of stuff, it's always interesting to kind of uh, wonder how much of what's now legends they'll make canon again. You I know, mean, you can nitpick it. There's some yeah. of it's junk. Yeah. The the Thrawn, the Thrawn trilogy, the Jedi Academy trilogy, some of the uh some of the old Dark Horse comic stories that we talk about, uh, which some of that found its way into some of the novels too. Uh huh. There's there, there's some good stuff in Legends you can you can take from, and some mm-hmm. of those characters, you know, would would be valuable in the canon. Well, I, I noticed, um, you know, Dave Filoni particularly has a propensity to pull things in from Legends in his animated series, and 
I kind of wonder if I, I kind of expect that that trend will kind of continue. You know, the really kind of intriguing things like the Jedi Mandalorian War and things like that. They've kind of continued to pull those those stories into into canon, and and I think that I mean they're they're interesting concepts. I think eventually they're going to. I think that eventually they're going to tell more of those stories. I I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good stories. I, I mean, of course now there's a lot of legends that the stories are now null and void because of yeah they've been contradicted right because of 7 and 7 8 and 9 right, right have now yeah. eliminated a lot of a lot of the EU because a lot of the EU took yeah. space in that 30 year window right yeah um, but i would like they to see there are still characters they could bring in they can there are stories that could be reworked to fit the new yeah the new stories of what went on. Unfortunately, a lot of what they did was made the 30 year gap between Jedi and episode seven. They kind of made that 30 year gap a lot less interesting. Yeah, they kind of did. I agree with you on that. I don't know. I still want to see, I still want to see some of Luke's adventures in Mm -hmm. that, in that period before his, before, you know, Kylo destroyed his, yeah, his uh, his academy. Yeah, I'd like adventures. to see whatever he went through, whatever he was doing before he started that academy. Even I mean, right? You know, like we Luke, saw some like of that in the, the video games. Years, the ten years following Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. would be a really interesting period for for exploring Luke or everything, even up until Kylo Ren goes bananas. Is really a pretty interesting story for Luke. I mean, honestly, the whole like building of the resistance i don't find to be like the most riveting story fall of the empire the rise of the first order you know there's there's only there's only so much interesting there but i do think that you're probably right about about luke being he's the one who's doing cool stuff during all of this everybody else is kind of playing politics but he's off doing like legit cool stuff so you know we could definitely and Han's still out there somewhere being Han, so doing the only thing he was ever good at, right? Yep, that's what he says. Yeah, I mean, but you could still tell. I mean, you'd have to come up with some new characters for a lot of it, but you can still do the Jedi yeah. Academy. It's going to end very differently, but you can still yeah, do the Jedi it's end Academy very poorly. Going to end poorly, but yeah, and I know that was kind of your point. Was now that we sort of know. How where all those characters ended up after the thirty year gap, it does take some of the interest away. But it would still be there are some still still a few things in there you could you could explore to be interesting. Oh yeah, I mean the X Wing trilogies were good. I don't want to see an X Wing movie. I wouldn't mind seeing some sort mm-hmm. of uh, some sort of fighter pilot like Top Gun. Well, I mean like a TV series. Kind of TV with, series. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah, things like Space, Space Above, Above and, and Beyond. Yeah. And, even to an, ex- Which Disney even now to an extent like the old Battlestar Galactica. Mm, I never watched it. You know, I, I want to, you know, something focused around the fighter pilots. Right. There are those. You had characters. I mean, you could you could still. Daniel, do you remember Corin Horn? Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. Um, he was an interesting <laughs> character and a, one of Luke's Jedi. But. He was an interesting one. He started off as a fighter pilot in the X-Wing books. 
later Luke talks him into coming to train at the Jedi Academy. He stays for a little while, but he never quite fits in. And I I believe that his wife had been taken or was, had -hmm. disappeared or something. And so he stays for a little bit, but he never quite fits in. Right. And he decides to leave and you get this whole novel. It's this one here. It's a I Jedi, which was one of my favorite novels which is why it's one of the ones still on the shelf Mm -hmm. and i mean you get you got a really interesting character so you could still build characters that left the academy for one reason or another yeah for sure right and that was what we were talking about there are a lot of interesting characters that are legends now that you could still use and put them back in the can he's one of them i mentioned you look kale drama if you want to go back that far into the thing because he was a he he sort of had a fall for grace and kip duran too yep Yep. Dorod was uh, uh, one of my favorite characters in the EU. Yeah, that was uh, Kip Duron was the one that stole the Sun Crusher, right? He stole the Sun Crusher. Han found him on Kessel, took him under his wing, and brought him to Luke and trained him. And he was uh, the uh, the Sith Lord spirit there in the in the Messiah Temple. Masating, I can't ever say Masasi Masasi Temple. Thank you. On uh, on Yavin Four, uh, corrupted him. He stole the Sun Crusher, and but he ends up being one of Luke's most trusted Jedi uh, hmm. at the time those novels finally ended. And so a lot of really good character development with char- deep characters that are still in the EU we could bring in. And I mean, ultimately, that's really all you want is you want really good characters, you know, tell stories oh, about. Yeah, and. I'm sorry, Marisha. And still talking about Kip, like we said, Han finds him on Kessel, takes him under his wing. Like, how much, if you go into exploring that, if you brought a story like that into the current canon we have, how do you mm-hmm. think that ties into Ben's psyche and Ben's story? Yeah. Right? I feel to watch like... watch him take another kid right. under his wing and nurture him as a father figure whenever Ben already felt abandoned by Han. Right. You know, a, it just... Another Force-sensitive yeah. kid. Nonetheless, yeah, I feel like it's just what happened in the book, but you could play it that way. So, right. I feel like at some point they need to go back and give us a little bit more explanation as to why Ben Solo is quite as bitter as he is, because honestly, if he's as bitter as he is just because he doesn't feel like he got quite enough attention as a kid, that really paints him as worse of a person than somebody who like had like super major hardships you know like Anakin bless his heart he was a slave and his mom was killed by sand people and you know like I mean geez poor kid he's got a rough life but like Ben it's like and your mom worked a lot and your dad traveled I don't know right. I'm just saying well it's like Kevin it's like Kevin Smith's famous quote about young Anakin when Phantom Menace came out and then Attack of the Clones. He said, of course, the greatest villain in the galaxy would, that's, that's exactly what he'd be, an emo kid with some issues. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes a little bit less sense because, but I, I think especially, you know, depending on what they decide to do with him um, in this final episode, I think, you know, if, if they decide to, Especially if they decide not to redeem him. I think I want to see a little more motivation for him to be as terrible of a person as he has proved to be than we've been given so far. So I'm kind of with you on the 
like, you know, see Han Solo be super committed to somebody else or I don't know. That's I think that's where that conversation started. <laughs> is that where that conversation started, Andrew? I'm not sure. I think it is. Yeah, that's where it started. We were talking about Kip Dura. Yeah. But yeah, I was actually um I've been I, I went and dug a box out of storage today that contains all of my old uh, mostly Star Wars Insider magazines. Like a uh, hundred of them, Daniel. Um, Daniel, cool. do, you, do you remember the Star Wars Insider? Did I mean I, I got them? I, I'm sure I you did. saw them when you were you know around. Yeah, no, I didn't. I I never did read them very much, but I, I do remember the magazine. Yeah. But I, I actually found one. This is actually a publication of Lucasfilm. It's not part of the Insider, but it's from just before the days. It must have been around the time of the re-releases. Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. it's before the prequels came out. And it's basically a whole magazine full of questions that they posed to readers of, I guess, the Insider. And... So it was interesting to look back and see, like, like this one, best character humanoid. Who would you think the best character pre prequels? Luke Skywalker. But it's not. It's the same person that wins that every time. And Luke Skywalker is actually number four. Han Solo. It's Han. It's Han. With twenty seven percent of the vote. Vader is number two. Number three, honestly, doesn't make sense to me. But Boba Fett is number three. <laughs> I love this Boba Fett. This is the height Fett. of Boba I, I'm a, Fett I'm a, mania. I'm a big Boba Fett fan, but Boba Fett is one of those weird characters that had, I don't want to say a minimal role, because... Mm-hmm. And they used the Wilhelm scream with it, too, which <laughs> just adds to it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good old Ben Burt. <laughs> best, best sound technician ever. Oh, um, yeah. Number four, huh? I don't, and I feel like the early 90s was maybe kind of the heyday of Boba Fett mania. Like, I feel like people y'all's age are a little more obsessed with Boba Fett than people like David's age, for example. Uh, there was just something about people who were kids. I don't know. I mean, if you're a big Empire Strikes Back fan, you, you kind of have to like the Boba Fett character. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, he, he's a very instrumental part of that of that whole film. Well, he was just, he was cool looking. He had this armor and these cool looking guns and the jet pack and everything. And then you knew nothing about him. So it left all your imagination just wide open. <laughs> For well, all the cool things he could be. Yeah, yeah. So so this, this next one is uh, me being, feeling a little bit vindicated. Great. Best minor character. I'm going to say not Boba Fett best, since we're arguing that Boba Fett's not. minor character? Best minor character. In any of the, so basically just original trilogy, Original right? trilogy, yeah. Best minor character, R2-D2. R2-D2 was not on that list. I'm trying to look back to see if R2-D2 was ranked in the the major character list, but now I've lost oh, it. Oh, well, maybe so. But maybe best, so. He might be right. Best minor character. Wedge Antilles. Ha, uh, not Biggs Darklighter. Well, if we're going that minor, then I'm sure R2 is in the major category. Yeah. Biggs, Biggs Darklighter actually does make the list, but with only 3% of the vote. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but Wedge Antilles has 44% of the vote. 
Wow. Over yep. characters like Grand Moff Tarkin, Admiral Akbar, uh, Nyan Numb, Mon Mothma. I can see that actually. Yeah. Uh, well, the, and also, there would be also about the EU also helps drive that, which became very popular in the novels. That's that true. That's very true. Especially. And considering when this magazine came out, yeah. would have been right after the big run of the X-Wing series. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He so, was probably at the height of his popularity, too. Yeah. So, and, and these, of course, the people that were reading these magazines were also the people that were digesting every book they could get their hands on. That said Star Wars, right? Some of these are interesting, and at some point we need to take these and kind of do our own revote with uh, uh-huh. some of the new new stuff added in i was looking for i was the one that surprised me and the one that i actually wanted to get to and i just got to the others while i was i saw those others while i was looking for this one best original novel so these are not the not novelizations of the movies but novels it's heir to the empire right of course, yeah, Heir to the Empire is far and away the number one. It was actually the number two that shocked me. Now, at the time, I love this book. I still have it on my shelf. But for some reason, this story has kind of fallen out of favor. Um, it would make Robbie very happy. But it's uh, Shadows of the Empire. And I like Shadows of the Empire. Is that the one where they... But again, though, we knew Shadows of the Empire then... Like you said, the story's kind of fallen out of favor, but some of the stuff that has come since then is sort of, at the time, though, yeah, Shadows of the Empire was, that's, that was a good book. Yeah. Shadows is uh, is Dash Rendar. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. He likes to talk about Dash Rendar. He's a big fan. Who, Robbie? Robbie, he may not have seen all the things that Star Wars has done in the past 10 years, but he sure knows all his, his stuff from the early 90s, thanks so, to Andrew. Honestly, his character fit anymore. It does. It doesn't well, really fit anymore. Actually, maybe it's it's kind of starting to fit again though because they, the Dash Rendar Shadows of the Empire was really kind of that underworld novel mm-hmm. where we dealt yeah. with uh, the crime syndicates. Hmm. It's almost exclusively dealing with uh, Black Sun and the other crime syndicates, which we all brought back. We brought all that back into play in the solo novel. That is true. I was just thinking about, well, yeah. The solo movie? No, you could make it work. Yeah, 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 the solo movie. What did I say? Solo novel. I'm sorry, the solo movie. And I think that's what the next season of, the last season of Clone Wars is going to deal with, too. It's going to be some more underworld stuff, at least initially. Clone Wars is going to deal a little bit with underworld stuff. It's going to deal heavily, heavily, heavily with Mandalore. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got to see how Mandalore how things ended up for Mandalore. Because we got to set the stage for the new Mandalorian series. Yeah, actually, though, there's no confirmation of when Clone Wars series is releasing. They It doesn't matter, though. It's going to affect the story one way or the other. That's true. Marisha, what characters would you like to see brought back from all the novels that you read when you were a kid? All the Zero novels that I read <laughs> when I was a kid? Yeah, I don't, I don't have strong feelings on this one. I'm going to have to let y'all take that. And let's go back to your list. Yeah. All right. So, Heir to the Empire, Shadows of the Empire, right? One and two. Yeah, that's one and two. And where's Dark Apprentice? Dark Apprentice. Uh, let me get back to my list. Okay, best novel. Which one did you ask about? Dark Apprentice. Dark Apprentice. What year did Dark Apprentice come out, though? 
99 or 2000. See, that would have been oh, after yeah, this. That's older than that, right? Okay, never mind. So, yeah, yeah Dark Apprentice didn't rank. The, the, the list, the ones that made the list were Heir to the Empire, Shadows mm-hmm. of the Empire, The Courtship of Princess Leia, Uh-oh. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That Seriously? Splinters of the Mind's Eye was actually crazy. written to be a sequel to, to the original, Rome. right? Yeah. To the original. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Dark Saber, hmm. which is a good one. That's a Kevin J. Anderson book. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, we Chil- saw him at Dragon Con, huh? Is he the one we saw at Dragon Con? Kevin J. Anderson. Kevin Anderson. Was Kevin Anderson? Yeah, he was there. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that was one, that was one of the panels you sent me that was... Yeah, because it so was him, Timothy Zahn, and Michael Stackpole all on the same panel, which was awesome. Right. Children of the Jedi, the Truce at Baccarat, and the Crystal Star. I like, I like Truce at Baccarat too. No, that's a that's a pretty solid list. You got a Kevin G. Anderson book in there, and his best books were the the Jedi Academy books, which we didn't, uh, which we just established weren't published at the time. So, yeah, that was. Uh, I, I think that was. Uh, Kevin J. Anderson's first foray into writing Star Wars was uh, Darksaber, yeah. I think. Oh, I got another one for Robbie here. Just looking over at the other page before I set it down here. Best original book, Space Vehicle. Hmm. So best space vehicle from a book. What do you think, Daniel? Do you have a vote? I'm going to feel embarrassed because I don't remember the name of the darn ship. It's, uh, it's, it's Dash Rendar's ship, the Outrider. Yes, Outrider. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, which was just another one. The Outrider was just like just a, another modification on the Millennium Falcon. Well, it was a newer model, but it's the same. Okay. It's, it's also from the Millennium Falcon's what the YT thirteen hundred. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Don't ask and me this questions. This was like, like the thirteen hundred. Yes. Yeah, and this was like the fifteen hundred. This was like the new, <laughs> the new and improved uh, Carillion freighter. That's great. Yeah, I think because the cockpit was in the center or some. The shit. cockpit's like offset, off on the side, but it's like the whole ship is shaped where it's more exaggerated and further off to the side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was something. I just, you know, how many ships they took. And all they did was modify the design of the Falcon and call it a new ship. <laughs> that showed up for a while in everything. That's funny. <laughs> the darn, what was, uh, was it X-Wing Alliance where you started out flying a freighter and it looked so much like the Falcon? Yes. Um, you're talking about yes. the, the, the old computer game, the PC game? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you had a, again, a newer model of the uh Corellian transport series Corellian transport yep. yep they did that over and over just <laughs> trying they were just trying to capitalize on the popularity of that ship yeah that's fun. hey you know speaking of the millennium falcon i was watching uh revenge of the sith laying in bed at some point this weekend i've lost track of when um but i could have sworn that i saw the millennium falcon docking at some point was did the Millennium you think Falcon? It's the only YT thirteen hundred out there. Okay. Yeah, it's it's yes. There's definitely a YT thirteen hundred Korean freighter. Okay. In that scene. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh huh. So. It, it's I, I didn't dream it. Definitely there. It's just one of those things. There's a lot of little hidden things in those in those three films in the prequels. I mean, mm-hmm. you got ET in it for God's sake. <laughs> not, not that one's in the first one, but, isn't it? Awesome. It's in the second one? 
It's in the Senate chamber. It may yeah. be the first one. It's I can't remember. I think it's in the first one. I think it's in the Senate scene in the first one, but I could be wrong. Yeah. That was awesome that they put them in there. But I mean, it's like there's so many things. Which Spielberg and Lucas always do things like that. They created the Easter yeah. egg. But they also, you know, there's some runes on a wall in one of the Indiana Jones movies. That, and C-3PO yeah. and R2-D2 were in the runes. That's great. So yeah. aliens did build them, huh? Well, Spielberg was going to direct Return of the Jedi until the damn Directors Guild screwed that up for us. Really? I didn't know that. Yep. Spielberg was Lucas's first pick for Return of the Jedi. The oh, Directors yeah. Guild screwed it up. They would not let him direct it and keep his guild membership because Lucas was in dispute with them. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Oh, you got to love bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, Daniel, have you had a chance to read any, any comic books at all? Yeah. It pays me to say no. I think the last, the last little bit I was caught up on any of the Star Wars comics is the last time I talked about them on okay. the show because I, I made a point to read a few of them to have something to talk about, and I just I haven't had time. I haven't even been in a comic book store since, since the last time we talked about that, to be honest. Okay. Uh, so, when you get a chance, catch up on the, the new Vader series. I wanted to pick your brain about it. I, I don't know if you saw the chaos that ensued after issue three. No, and that is actually, though, the last time we talked comics was the first issue of that series. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was the the people who thought he was a hero. Yeah. Well, which is actually apparently kind of the running theme Hmm. of this series is, is looking at from new perspectives. Yeah. Well, well that, and that is actually, that was the point. That was the description of the series when it was announced was that was their, that was their point. That's what they wanted to do. Give you other, other people's point of view of Vader. Right. And so having the, having the group of people who seem as a hero because he inadvertently killed the creature that had been terrorized them for generations is cool. Once I don't know how many more times you get away with that. Oh, right. no, they, well, yeah. based on what you've told me about issue one and issue three, which I actually read the, the difference, the way they're handling that is, is interesting. Um, because issue three is very different than issue one. But apparently it made people's heads explode. People got really, really upset. I mean, like poor people. Like last night, no- uh, last uh, two nights ago, Game of Thrones upset with it. Yeah. Just not nearly as many say, of well, them. Between Vader and Game of Thrones, it's, ama- it's amazing any one of the country still has a head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Only the nerds. Uh, Only the well, nerds. I have to read it. Have exploding. I will, heads. I will have to read it. I will have to catch up on it. All right. All right. Well, um, yeah, we actually got some, uh, I don't know if you saw before we wrap up here, Daniel, I don't know if you saw the journey to the rise of Skywalker books and comics that they announced, but they did announce a couple of new comic book series. One of them that looks the one, the one of the comic book series that looked the most interesting to me was one that's going to cover Leia reaching out to the Mon Calamari as they try to rebuild the resistance. Okay. That, yeah, that will be interesting. Uh, we touch on, they touch on what happened with the Monte Calamari building up to the rebellion and the, or during the, you know, when they get in the, join the rebellion, uh, in the Vader series. 
Okay. So I don't know how many I don't know how many times you can keep going back to the Mon Calamari because you need their ships without them finally getting <laughs> pissed off. Right. But yeah, that'll be interesting. And it, of course, you know, it's done intentionally as part of this building up to the next next story. next film. And presumably, when we show up at the start of nine, there's going to be some semblance of a rebuilt rebellion. Right. So. We'll see see how that plays out. But some of the books looked interesting. Did you uh, did you see any of that stuff? I I didn't. I I've, I've been able to do very little research or keeping up the stuff I used to. Okay, because they um, the the one thing I have been seeing that and I had said when these books got announced, I had no interest, no interest in reading this one in particular. But that darn Qui Gon book, mm-hmm. Master and Apprentice, mm-hmm. yeah. And the every little tidbit I get from it online somewhere, yeah. And the whatever little bit of time I do have to sort of look around makes me want to read that book now. Yeah, well, there's a lot of lore that they've built in that one mm-hmm. with continuations of of spelling out parts of the prophecy. Mm-hmm. And I was trying apparently to sleep they've last done, night. <laughs> well, apparently they've done some similar stuff with this new Dooku series i don't know exactly what that is it's not a it's not a, a book it's actually i think uh, an audio dramatization oh yeah i did hear that that they were doing something for audible exclusively yeah um but yeah my uh, my brother-in-law just finished reading who purports not to be a huge nerd but totally is um <laughs> he came last night they're moving he came to pick up some boxes and while i was trying to sleep he and andrew were outside talking he was all excited about this new um, Master and Apprentice novel. Uh, I think I'm getting, he's got it on audiobook. I think I'm getting ready to uh, listen to it. I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to read it. I think I actually ordered it earlier this week, but I'm getting Ken Knapsack's book tomorrow and I'm going to read it first. Oh, wow. I do like Knapsack. Well, he's got a book coming out tomorrow uh, called mm-hmm. Why We Love Star Wars. Yeah. No, I've seen it. I've, or, yeah, I've heard about it. And so I'm I'm excited about reading that one. I don't think it's going to be a long read. Mm-hmm. Just like a couple of days read. And uh, yep. then I'll start that. Uh, then I'll, I'll break down and read Master and Apprentice. I was not in a big hurry to read it until, like you said, little things kept kind of showing up on Twitter. And I was going, maybe I need mm-hmm. to read this book. Yeah. I'm kind of excited yeah. about it. Um, I always kind of like. I'm going to do like Marisha, get the audio book. I mean, I can listen to audiobooks while I fold laundry. That's a win in my in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah, you can listen to well, it while you drive. Yeah, I don't like audiobooks, but I, I you know I know for Marisha, audiobooks are just it's easier to find time to do audiobooks. Possible is the word you're looking well, for. Well, I discovered audiobooks driving back and forth from Louisiana to Georgia. Oh yeah, so, I I can see that. Well, yeah, that's what you should do. I got through the. I got through the Stormlight Chronicles by Brandon Sanderson pretty quick, and those are big books. That's a long drive. Yeah, I listened to um, Queen Shadow on the way to Florida and back. That's what I did was listen to that. Still not interested in that one either. Well, after it came out, it doesn't sound like a book. It it sounds like a book that's only really going to be interesting to a segment of the fandom anyway. Yeah, it's probably really only interesting to people who Padme was always kind of their favorite character. 
It doesn't yeah, really well, do anything for the story on the whole. It mostly just does things for her character development and the people around her. So yeah, probably probably you, not most people. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. I mean, it, it wasn't like my favorite thing I've read in the past decade or anything, or even the past year, but there were definitely things I enjoyed about it. All right. Well, uh, since we don't have any comic book stuff this week, we'll have to or get back news. to that. Uh, or any real news. We'll... Uh, I guess we're done. Marisha, what have you got online that you'd like people to check out? Hmm. Nothing new since last time, because as previously stated, I've been sick. But um, I'm on Instagram. I'm princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. And I'm also at princessesandpadawans.com. Well, they moved our they moved our next con. So now you don't have to rush quite as much to get costumes done. Right. Unless the kids decide they want to go to Mississippi Comic Con. Then I got to rush again. There's always something to rush for. Let's not kid ourselves, hon. I only work on a deadline. That's the only way Marisha gets things done. I've got the same problem. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel, what have you got out there? Uh, Nothing. I said the same Twitter address, though. Dan C. Peeps. All right. So if you've got Twitter questions, I mean, if you've got comic book questions, send them to Daniel. Make him read some comic books. Yes. That's right. I need a, I need a, as we just previously stated, I need a deadline to, uh, or someone actually counting on something for me to actually get something done. It feels like sometimes. So we can do that. We'll have, we'll have Iana text you comic book questions. And if you can't answer them, she can send you sad faces. (laughs) Put some, put some pressure on me. I'll, I'll force myself to take time away from the pain job. Well, as previously mentioned, you know, when I'm supposed to be doing my paid job is, you know, when most of the t-shirts get designed. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, I I have an idea and I got to make it while I'm thinking about it. But anyway, um, my name is Andrew Gore and thank you for joining us for this episode. You can find me running the Twitter account at sci underscore fictionary and you can find me at the sciencefictionary.com. And until next time, may the force be with you. 